0: Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Hey everybody, welcome to Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Tonight, I'm joined by a good buddy of mine, Pete LaMonica. Pete had played in the minor leagues, played in college for Iona College, and uh, for the past 20 years or so, he's been a youth coach here in New Jersey with the Avalanche program out of the Ice House. Pete, welcome to Inside the Game.
1: Hi, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having good. me on.
0: Great to see you. What made you play hockey when you were a kid? Like, how old were you and where'd you start and all that? I mean, I always like to kind of paint a little bit of a picture for everybody, how people got involved.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in uh, Bergen County and uh, I started playing hockey. I think one of the facts that nobody really knows, I never played any youth hockey growing up, like travel hockey. I started at the uh, old Bergen Mall, which you're familiar with, um, as a, uh, a second year peewee. And then I was playing just house league. So I would play winter league and that would be it. You know, I didn't play any, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't practicing. Um, I didn't have any of that. Parents didn't have a lot of money. So I, I didn't, I know a lot about it at the point. I just, you know, we played and that was it, you know, played house league. Didn't really know too much about the travel program. Back then there wasn't too many rinks around. I think Sportorama was it. And then they had the old, uh, you know, McKay Parker, JT Wright Arena that opened up sometime in the early 80s. Um, so at that point I was went to, uh, I taught myself how to skate actually on Pond, on figure skates. <laughs> oh my and, uh, gosh. I played one year. I did play one year of uh, club hockey for uh, John Kelly. With, uh, I think it was John Kelly's brother. I can't figure out his first name. And John is dad, who I think you're familiar with. Uh, yes. Junior C Devils. And that okay. year I went to Nationals out in uh, Salt Lake City. So I played the one year, one year of uh, youth hockey. We practiced once a week. Uh, we played two games on a weekend, and then I played three years of promise Catholic. I transferred out of public high school in Dumont to play. You know, that's where I played. I played winter hockey. That was basically it. So I never really had the, uh, you know, what the kids, the opportunities the kids have today in terms of, you know,
0: just you
1: know, the private lessons, stick-in shooting lessons, and then just practicing two, three days a week, depending on if you're, in you know, on a, a Tier 1 or Tier 2 program, you know, and, uh, I mean, the games that these kids play between you know, Tier Two, 50 games, and Tier One, they can go up to 80, 85 games. Uh, a lot of hockey.
0: Now, you only played, as you said, you only played house league. You played one year of travel hockey. Um, what other sports did you play growing up besides ice hockey?
1: I played um, baseball up until high school. I played up into freshman year of high school, and then I played um, just you know some Papua football, you know, like you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And that's when in, you know I concentrated on hockey after my after I transferred out of Dumont into Primus Catholic and Trent, that's when I just focused in on hockey. I um, just, you know, just trained myself. You know, I started doing some skating with Barbara and Frank Moran. Um You know, up when I was probably a junior or senior, um, but that's when I really got into the game. I got into the game, I think, when I went to vis- up to Montreal, when I went with my parents to visit one of their friends up there. And, the, you know, the kid, we were playing in the basement, just like some street hockey. That's when I took a liking to it. And then I just started, like I said, you know, i got my pair of skates, a figure skates, you know, black skates. And I just, I, you know, I would skate on the pond near my house. So I was actually rockets at that point And, uh, you know, told myself how to skate.
0: Now, um, what made you go to Paramus Catholic High School here in, Bur- in uh, Paramus, New Jersey? What, what was the reason? Was it, was it just straight hockey you were going for? Or was it also academics? Or, you know, the whole, the whole experience? Uh-huh
1: yeah i mean like they, you know some of the kids would just go and say they're going to get a better you know catholic education to go to a high school but most of us went to play hockey because at that point i believe um there were about 40 hockey teams in the state of new jersey playing there was only 40 teams just now. for high school so i think that the game's a little more diluted in terms of talent not that there's not good players on some of these public school teams obviously there are um but um i went there to you know, obviously to enhance my education uh and then also i was given opportunity to play hockey because otherwise you know, I could have stayed at Dumont, but I didn't know much about travel hockey. Maybe I could have played there, you know, stayed there and maybe played travel hockey instead of going there. But it was, just, it was, it was a different time than it was now. Just a, was a different era.
0: What did you like about just playing in high school and not, you know, doing the whole travel thing? A lot of guys I know didn't do the travel, didn't do the craziness that we see today. But years ago, there was travel, but it wasn't to the level that we see I mean, what did you get out of it? I mean, I remember Framis is Catholic having a very good program, hanging with a lot of kids, but um, what did you enjoy about it, just, you know, representing your school?
1: Well, yeah, I love representing the school. I mean, the thing with the travel hockey is if you look at it today and you compare it to, you know, high school hockey going back then and then travel hockey back then, you know, you go to a travel hockey game and it'll be the, the competition is better. If you're playing better hockey, better competition overall, but you know you don't have your friends there. You do You know only people going to travel hockey games are your parents. You go to you go to a high school game. You had all the you know your friends, the students, you know the other schools, you know students. And you know you're getting a couple hundred, two, three, some of the games, four hundred people to a game. And you know it's you know it's it's fun. It's fun, especially when you do well and you and you play well. You know you're on top of the world, so to speak. I mean I had a I had a great you know, junior and senior year. I really you know kind of dominated at that you know at that point in my division anyway. Um, but, you know, there was some good hockey players, in, you know, in the state of New Jersey going back in the early 80s.
0: So now you finish, you know, playing at Paramus Catholic and you wind up at Iona College. And talk about the transition from high school to collegiate athletics. Everyone, you know, will say, oh, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's really hard. Oh, but come on. It's only Division III at that time in the, in the mid-80s when you go there. What was the jump like? I mean, was it, everyone was better? Everyone was faster. Everyone was more focused in what they were doing.
1: Um, you know, it's I had a couple. Again, you know, it's it wasn't like back then. It wasn't like it was today, where you had scouts coming to watch games, and you know, you had these super series tournaments where kids would get looks from prep schools and colleges. Not a lot of people would come to New Jersey to watch a high school hockey game. You know what I mean? They had enough. To, they had enough in whether they were in Massachusetts or Minnesota, etc., whatever state you were. In. Um, but the thing, you know, that I found, you know, intriguing with, you know, with the high school hockey, um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of kids, um, would, you know, you know, would put a lot into it and then, you know, uh, it, it, you get, a, you get, you know, you get something out of it. Um, but I, and you know, I felt as though my college transition was I had people come watch me who went to Iona and they brought the coach and they loved me and that was it. It was just like one shot deal. I didn't, I didn't go look here, there. I'm like, okay, they want me to come play. It's close to my house. At that time, I wasn't, you know, I was, you know, I was always home. I was, you know, kind of like sheltered when I was a kid. Uh, so I wasn't traveling, going here, away from the family. So I said, oh, this may be a good mix. I can come home on a weekend if necessary. It was only a 45-minute trip. But it was good hockey. Um, and I, I honestly, I just stepped right in and played. I was a starter, as a freshman. And I played a lot. Nowadays, Division Three, you, you play, you can't even play, you can't even get on a Division Three team without playing at least one year of juniors. Or another year of ninja triple A hockey. At that point, coaches don't want you coming in as an 18 year old. I went in as an 18 year old and I played, you know, I played four years, started four years uh, at Iona. And it wasn't, you know, like people say, oh, division three. There was a lot of good hockey players playing division three that could have played D1, um, but they just wanted to play a lot and not be, you know, a third or fourth liner. At that point, there was division one, two, and three.
0: Yes. Now, you're you're playing at Iona. What teams did you face? You know, what was your schedule like? I mean, what was a daily life for you as a collegiate athlete back then? I mean, you know, tell some of the kids that are looking possibly of going to college, like, what can they expect? I mean, you know, for you, like, what level? I mean, what kind of teams did you face? And then, you know, like, what's a daily, like, or a weekly thing like for a collegiate athlete back then? Now
1: now, now there's much more involved in terms of, you know, um, commitment on the athlete's part. We, what we did was we practiced three days a week. Um, at that point, we practiced once on Friday mornings early, like 6 in the morning. Then we practiced, I think, Monday and Wednesday nights. And our games were Thursday nights at like 8.45. Um, I remember that because my father used to come to the games. And it was like 9 o'clock. It was stop like 10 to 9. We wouldn't get out at like 11.30. Um, but we would practice three days a week, sometimes two, depending on our schedule. And then we'd have games uh, on a home slot with Thursday nights. And then we'd travel away games on Saturday or sometimes Sunday and um, we did off-ice training a lot because the coaches at that point, um, you know, they went to, actually, they went over to Russia and they just watched some of these guys, what they were doing, you know, the Red Army, what they were doing in off-ice training Um, and I think they might have been friendly with Lou Vero and um, they brought that to us and that was great. I thought that helped us tremendously, uh, you know, the off-ice and then what we would do is you know, take that right into you know, the season, which helped us out as a team. And you know, we, were in, uh, we were in the D3, we we're in ECAC. So some of the teams we play, you know, they have some really good programs now. We played Quinnipiac, um, we played Trinity College, great hockey program. Uh, we always had a tough time again. Um, you know, we played um, Fitchburg, we played uh, uh, SMU, which was uh, Southeastern Massachusetts University. And my, I think my sophomore year, or junior year, sophomore year, we lost to those guys in the finals, in the finals. A heartbreaking loss. We win it 4-1, <laughs> and we lost 5-4 in all the time. I mean, we had to – we were going to win the championship. We were going to get a ring, and, uh, you know, we lost we lost in the final. Uh, up 4-1. Um, Connecticut College, I mentioned. I'm just trying to think of some of the other teams. There was a team up in uh, – we played New Hampshire College, Keene State up in New Hampshire. So we went, you know, we went as far as up in New Hampshire, um, you know, Maine. I know Quinnipiac, we played uh, – couple other teams in Connecticut. Uh, I think we went out, uh, we played at that point, Uppsala, if you remember, they had a team yep. which wasn't a bad hockey team for a lot of good players from New Jersey played there. Um, and uh, another team we played down in there uh, was Villanova, had a half-decent program. They were never very strong, but these are some of the teams that we played back then. Now some of the teams have D1 programs or D- the solid D3, like Trinity's a solid, solid D3 team.
0: Who was your coach? You mentioned here that they were doing off-ice training, which back then in the 80s when you were there was not very common. I mean, who was your coach and what was he studying and what was he doing with you guys that seemed to be ahead of the curve?
1: At the time, the coach – and you may know the assistant coach because um, he coached Clifton for like 25 years. He still mil- stay mil- still, me, stay, <laughs> he's still – excuse me, he's <laughs> still – probably coaching the team is uh, Tom Danko. But okay. Frank Eppinger. Yep,
0: yep. I know Frank, yeah.
1: Yeah, Frank Effinger was our coach at Iona. And he was actually a teacher up at uh, – a gym teacher up at Rye Country Day School. Okay. practice at Rye Country Day twice a week and then once at Rye Playland. And that's where we played our games. But, yeah, those guys, um, you know, they had us doing all those medicine ball, Like if you, you ever saw that video on the Russian Five, you know, they had us doing all those medicine bowl and all these odd, weird, you know, different stations, you know. Um, and back then in 1983, 84, you know, it was unheard of, you know, like what they're doing now. So it seemed like, and I, I have to tell you, the running aspect and all just the different, you know, the movements, you know, core and all that stuff. They, you know, they, like I said, obviously they, they you know, they start, he studied at Frank, and, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely helped us as a team. Um, I, I still do some of the stuff today.
0: Now, you mentioned Lou Varro as well. Did Lou have any uh, influence over Frank at all as far as his coaching style went? Or because. I'm going to be talking to Lou very soon here on Inside the Game. By the way, we're talking with uh, Pete LaMonica, who had played at Iona and is a youth hockey coach now with the Avalanche here in Hackensack. Did he – um like, did Lou influence Frank a lot?
1: I don't know. His I didn't know I, – I mean, I was pr- pretty close with Frank. Um, I don't know uh, how well he he knew Lou and, you know, how close he was, but I know he definitely had the connections because Frank was very close with Dave, Dom Maloney. Um, they had our camp up in uh, – uh, a hockey camp, Maloney Brothers hockey camp up in um, right off of 84. Oh, in Bedford. Bedford, up in, in there. Bedford, it's yes. Bedford or, um, Katona, Katona, yeah. Katona Rink. So up there. And they, every summer I would work there. i worked there, I think, two or three summers, you know, just to get ice time. And then, you know, he, what we'd do, we'd scrimmage afterwards. After the, uh, it was a day camp. So it was, you know, Monday to Friday, it was like, you know, 7.30 to 3. And then we would scrimmage, you know, with, you know, Tom Lalo come out, John Van Dijsburg, you know, guys like that. Brian Greshner.
0: Okay, so let's go there for a second. You're, you're playing in college against guys who are with the Rangers. What were they teaching you? What, I, what, what ideas were they giving you? Or what, what tidbits were they helping you with? And what was it like to, to go up against those guys? You're a young guy. You know, those guys are seasoned vets. Right.
1: Well, I, I, the biggest thing was the speed. It was tremendous and the strength of them. Uh, when I say the strength, you know, if you saw some of these guys, in, in, you know, like taking a shower and you saw their upper bodies, you say, ah, oh, these guys are nothing. But just their legs and their trunks. You know, they were just so strong. And that was the thing. You're playing and you say, oh, I could keep up with these guys. And I could keep up. But there was one aspect that we wasn't involved in that. It was hitting. <laughs> Once that started, you know, not that I, you know, it was just, it was a whole totally different game. I mean, you know, you know, you play the game and you say, wow. But this, the, the crisp passes, the speed of the passes, you know, the playing without the puck, um, that's what kind of intrigued me the most. Just watching these guys play without the puck and what they were doing. Um, they would show me little tricks, tidbits here, that, you know, moving guys out in front of the net, you know, stick behind the knee, down on the back. Um, but, you know, just a lot of little tricks. You know, I played some, you know, uh, alumni games with uh, Bruce Driver and some of the Devils when they needed, you know, a guy to fill in. And I'll never forget one of the things that uh, Slava Fatisov told me. And I was playing on the team with him, and I'm, and I, and I'm like, and he says, you have to pass to me in a broken English. And, I'm, and he goes, the faster you give me the puck, the quicker I get it back to you. And I'm sitting there scratching my head. I'm saying, what does he mean? The faster you pass it to me. I'll give you a puck." But but I, I finally figured it out saying the quicker I give it to him, the quicker he can get it back. Because if I wait, the opportunity is not going to be there. If I, you know what I mean? So the longer mm-hmm. I wait, he ain't going to have that opportunity to give me the puck back. And I teach that to the kids to this day. Uh, you know, but no one will move faster than the puck. You know? So he made a lot of sense. He made a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> now you finished your collegiate career. And – you're going to go to, you know, the Virginia Lancers uh, in the AHL uh, 8. Was it the uh, American uh, Associated Hockey League? Was it?
1: Well, at that point, it was the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. And what they did was they, they, they turned it into the All-American Hockey League. Uh, and then the subsequent year after that, it went into the East Coast League, which has been kept its name for like the last 28 years or 30 years. So it went from the East Atlantic Coast Hockey League, which at that point, you know, John Tortorella played in the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. And then he became a coach there for Virginia, which where I played. Um, and I think they called it the All American because they would only allow a certain ne- a number of Canadian players to play. You know, they wanted to have a more Americans, so I think they would limit to either five um, foreign imports. Players. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was uh, that's one of the reasons.
0: So you play for John Tortorella, uh, Stanley Cup winning coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning, coach the Rangers, now is the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You're with him in the beginning of his career. Uh, what was that like? Playing for a guy like that, did you see the vision he had that he could be an NHL coach when you played for him? Or was it just, wow, I'm playing for a guy who's a really good coach and who knows what's going to happen?
1: You know, the big, you know, the one of the things, you know, everyone asked me, right? Like, and I don't publish that I play for him and this, that. I mean, I'll talk, if I talk hockey with people like yourself, I'll, I'll say it, not to, you know, to brag. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys playing in the East Coast Hockey League now. Back then it was a little tougher. It was more like, you know, you had to really protect yourself and all of the players that are on my team Were college players. All, we had two, two or three players who played junior. They were from Canada. They all knew how to fight. None of us knew how to fight. We, we, we fought, but, you know, we weren't, you know, strategic fighters. Um, but the, One of the things that, not to get off the topic with John was, to me, he was one of my favorite coaches because you wanted to win for him. I don't know what he had about him, the aura about him, but he was such a great guy you wanted to win for him. Was he as intense back then? as he is now, listen, he won a Stanley Cup. He's won over, I don't know how many NHL games. I think he's a little more, a little wilder than he was obviously back then, you know, and obviously the, the you know, the league, the level that he's playing at. But he, you know, you could see he came a long way. He knew his stuff back then was just, you know, it was a different level. You know, you're talking A players as opposed to, or AA players as opposed to NHL players. But you wanted to win for him. Was he intense? Yeah. I mean, I can remember, you know, one of the, and I think we had this conversation, you know, we were playing a team from Johnstown, real tough team. And, you know, the guy came out, a goalie came out of the net and he just, the guy guy ran him over. And I wasn't a fighter. You know, I protect myself. I protect my teammates. And I said, and this guy was a fighter. And I said, if I don't go after him, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm unpacking. I'm going home. I knew it. So I went around the net and, you know, I I hit him and he he got into a little scrap. I I got a punch in. He got a couple in on me and I, I went down. I didn't win it, but, when I went back to the bench, he's like, Hey, as long as you showed up, that's okay. As long as you you, know, you showed up. It didn't matter if you won or lost, but as long as you showed up, you protected your goal. Uh, and I still six in my head. You know, I can't remember what I ate two days ago for lunch, but I remember that. Lear is dead.
0: Was he a uh, an X's and O's guy or was he more like a motivator?
1: Um, he, a combination. I think I think now he's you know, he's obviously he motiva- You know, he has his ways of motivating. But when he played with us, he was definitely a, a, a motivator. He would push your buttons, um, but it was always positive. You know, it was always it wasn't. You know, if it was if it was something you did wrong, it was always like, okay, listen, it was a mistake. You made a mistake. You got it, You know, you got to you know rebound and, and you learn from it. Um, but he no, he was you know it was X's and O's. X then was you know listen, you know first to the puck. You outwork the team. He was always his motto was don't get outworked. Don't get outworked. And I use that with the kids, you know, listen, I don't care if we lose, I want to win. I mean, I don't say I don't care, but I mean, listen, if we lose, let's lose all, my way and let's work. If we lose and we get, you know, we get out of work, or even if we win and we get out work and we have no business winning, not, I'm not happy after the game, you know, because, you know, good things happen when you, you, know, you work hard. And that's one of the things that he instilled in me, uh, you know, you know, work hard and, and do as best as you possibly
0: can. What's one trait that he had, that you think separated him from a lot of people as a coach?
1: Uh, Intensity, you know, uh, intensity. Like he would just – he would almost want to protect his players. And I see that in the NHL with him sometimes uh, with that scene with Vancouver and Calgary when he was there. Like he gets so intense, like if someone tries to take advantage of his player. And back then it was us. Like someone gave us a cheap shot. Or I remember an instance where one of our players was coming off the ice and he was tired the stick was on his knees he just had an end of a shift and the coach on the other team sends out a guy fresh to fight him and he starts beating the heck out of our guy and our guy ends up just taking it taking it. and then he finally got back, got his breath and he ended up beating him and I'll never forget John going nuts like just yelling at the coach you know like <laughs> how can you do that and but then we still won. Yeah. the record he was he, he didn't like anyone taking advantage of our players cheap shining us and stuff like that um you know he knew every you know he played at Maine he wasn't a you know he's not a huge guy when he played at Maine, and, uh, you know, like I said, he was, he
0: was intense. He has great passion for the game. He really cares about the game, I think, on a whole. Um, now, you play one year there, and you decide that this really isn't what you want to do. And w- what was a deciding factor for you to say, you know what, I'm never going to play in the NHL. I'll be lucky to play in the Coast League. Um, what just decided? What was it, you know, that it's time to hang them up, and it's time to move on?
1: Well, it goes back to like the same with my youth hockey days. What I don't tell people is before I went to Virginia, I had a tryout, a free agent tryout that I was able to get from Frank Eppinger because his connections with the Rangers. So I tried out with the Rangers, you know, with, along with like a hundred other free agents. So I got there early, and you know, a couple a day early, and you know, we go in there and they're fitting you for everything—not skates, but everything. Wow, this is unbelievable. Look at this. And we were skating with some of the guys that back then, like um, Don Murdoch, Pierre Larouche. You know, Brian Mullen, all these guys are skating. And I'm, I'm telling Ron Duguay, I mean, I'm like, I'm playing against these guys. I'm like, holy cow. Now we're not fully contacted, but we're hitting and they're moving the puck. And it's like, wow. You know, like that stuck in my head. So, you know, it was four days, three or four days and out. Me and 45 other guys got cut. And I'll never forget to this day, Phil Esposito said, hey, he goes, you didn't do bad from a guy from who was born in Brooklyn. He goes, well, what can we do? We can send you here if you want to continue. And I didn't tell him the whole story, but – you know, not to pat myself on the back, never played any youth hockey. I thought I did a, a, a pretty good job of playing, you know, with, with 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 some of these guys. I mean, the guy that stood in my head, who had a great career, was uh, Ulf Dahlin. Okay. For the Rangers for a number of years. I mean, you know, Ulf Dahlin, guys like Todd Ellick, you know, Rudy Poshek, these are the guys who are free agents. And Phil Esposito said, he goes, let me tell you, if, he was, if you were just as good, if you were better than some of the guys that our scouts drafted, he goes, we have to pay them meaning the players. So I, I, I can't take it, you know, yeah. it's just how it works, you know? So, um, so I did, you know, after doing that and then go playing in the East Coast League, and I said, you know what? I love the game. I said, but I can't see myself moving up. I didn't get called up to the IHL at that year. Some guys did. A couple guys got called up to the American League for my team, up and down. Both played D1, Ohio State. Another kid played at Brown. Uh, but they came back down. Um, and up, you know, it was up and down, up and down. And I said to myself, I can play with these guys. I know I can play with them. You know, and I did. I started as like the fifth or sixth defense, and then I ended up, you know, like two or three on my team at the end of the year. I got so much better just by playing against better competition. Here in New Jersey, it was like, you know, not that there wasn't good players, but it just, you know, when you're at promise Catholic and that's your best hockey you're playing and you're the best – one of the best ones on the team, you're not – you know, you're not challenged. You're
0: not, pu- you're not being pushed you're not, to- pushed. you're
1: not being pushed. You know, like, you, you know, you look at some like Max Smittendorf where, you know, he's playing for the Rockets and he's going to play junior A. You know, that's, that's, where you, that's where you get – I know I could have played better hockey, you know what I mean, uh, growing up at a, college, at a college level if I just had the right person to take me or the training and stuff like that. But it never happened. So but, to answer your question, after that, you know, do, looking back at the tryout and then going playing for a year, and I said, you know, I could play here again, the mother, I can make, but where am I going? You know what I mean? And that's the thing. I said, you might as well get into the business world and then have my father tapping me on the shoulder as well. <laughs> you know, I think he would have let me play, but I just figured, you know what? If I, if, if Tortorella was there again, I probably would have played him another year. But he left and went to the IHL uh, with uh, uh, Rick Dudley, and I just said, okay, that's 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 going to be it.
0: Go back for a second and let's talk about that tryout. Um, a lot of people don't realize that sometimes teams take a look at guys and they want to maybe grab somebody, and they might have that needle in the haystack kind of a thing. Um, were you intimidated? going into that or were you were you more starry-eyed or were you were like oh my gosh like I grew up watching these guys and now I'm on the ice with them I mean it was you know that moment yeah,
1: there yeah I was a little starry-eyed when I was just scrimmaging with the vets but when we took the tryout it was all free agents so now it was like that at that point right, this is it this is the real game and Michelle Bergeron was the coach for the Rangers at that time and I'll never forget there was two players Rudy Pochek and this other this other French Canadian player uh can't think of his name right now, but they fought three times. They, we had four teams. It was a blue, a white, a green, and a red. So we didn't play those two teams. It was like, you know, three times, three fights, the same three guys. I think it was Mario Reberge. And if you look them up. They fought three times, and Poshek beat him two of the three, and they picked Poshek. And he played in the NHL for, like, I don't know, six, seven years for the Rangers of Tampa Bay. But it was a little intimidating because I didn't have any experience in fighting, and I'm like, wow, if I fight, if I'm going to fight, you know, I'm like, I can't back down if, if anybody drops the gloves. Looking back at it bank this day, I'm like, thank God, I don't God you did. didn't get killed. <laughs> um, I thought I competed really well with all of these guys because they all played, like, you know, they all played junior A hockey. And I look at the players who came out of it. Like, I said, Old oh, Dollin, But there were a couple guys who were, like, diamonds in the rough. And you may know them because, you know, you know the game. But, like, Mark Tenorti, Norm McIver. Yep. I remember these guys because I'm like, wow, I was with these guys. I was on the guy's team. You know, Norm McIver, uh, Todd Ellick. You know, they all played. Know in the NHL for six, seven, eight years.
0: Did was there something that your college coach Frank Effinger saw in you to make that happen for that tryout? Was there something he said, Hey, or you know, you're working at the Maloney Brothers hockey camp, and these guys who you were playing with, like you mentioned, Tom Laidlaw, were they saying, Hey, maybe this guy has something that we don't, you know, that maybe he doesn't see, but we see because we play at this level?
1: Yeah, um, great question. And I, you know, I, I could say, Well, maybe, you know, maybe my mom called him, but. (laughs) <laughs> i think he had confidence in me like i was a captain at that on that team like i was a captain at promise catholic was a junior and senior same thing i own a junior and senior and i think they had confidence in me that listen i doubt very much in their mind let him go i don't think he's going to make it you know even in the minors but i know he won't embarrass us and that's what i think you know that, that the reason why he sent me because he knew and that I wouldn't, you know, the way, the kind of player I was, the team player I was and the leader I was. And I'll never forget, I'm in Quinnipiac, we're down by two goals, and I'm a sophomore at that point. You know, when you're a freshman, sophomore, maybe junior, not really, but you don't say nothing. You sit there and you just – I just got up and and, and and I'm talking to juniors and seniors. I'm, I'm yelling, like, not at someone, but at a situation, like, listen, I'm not coming up here on a Sunday night. All well, my parents are up here to come here and lose to these guys. They were below us. We ended up winning the game. And after that, it was just like – you know, Effinger had a had a ton of confidence in me, um, and he actually, I think, took me out to lunch that year, and he wanted me to step up. Uh, and I was a sophomore, so that's why I think you know he had confidence in me to you know go try out and listen. Probably thinking, hey, he's not going to make it. But you know what? I know he's not going to he's not going to embarrass me, um, and you know let me down.
0: You had the segment one with Pete Lamonica here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Stay tuned for segment two. Inside the game brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR